Hey y'all, this is Ryan Monso, and this is the Talking About No Points podcast from GoCougs.com. U of H lost 41 to nothing. It was as bad as it sounds. It really sucked to watch. I imagine people at home turned the channel, which was probably good for their health. I did not. I was in the stadium. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Kelvin Sampson and U of H basketball and my exclusive interview with him. And we're going to do theme music and an ad. And then we'll come back. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. Cougar athletes have to trust their coaches and teammates, whether it's going for it on fourth down, nailing that three-point shot, or trusting your teammate to hit that walk-off home run. If you've been in an accident, big or small, do not go it alone. You can trust Gus to fight for your maximum recovery. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. TrustGus.com. Principal Office, Houston, Texas. So you lose 41 to nothing. U of H scored zero points in the first, none in the second. They were shut out in the third and didn't show up on the scoreboard in the fourth. That totaled zero. When you look at the scoring summary, it just says K-State six times. But the good news is it only took three hours to play that game. It felt like a lot longer, but it's a three-hour game. It was really, really quick, and I was very grateful for that. I'm sure the fans were very grateful. That did you stay awake for the whole thing? I did. I did. You know, there were, there were some really good storylines late in the second half. I feel like I'm being set up. What, what do you mean? Well, I mean, the question was that, you know, you've, we've heard every single, every single game on, on TV, they're talking about, Oh, Houston's got this great explosive offense and they've scored, you know, X amount of points, at least 10 points or, every game for decades and never get shut out. And I was Oops. like, okay, everything's, everything's on the line right now. Okay. Can we do it? Can we do it? Are these guys going to go down in the record book? I mean, you always like to go into a record book except for things like this, or even like last year when we were had their record setting loss to uh, SMU. Yeah. That was, that was record setting. Yes. So we left the press box. Kansas state scores that touchdown to go up 41, nothing. We left the press box, didn't see the PAT. Turns out they missed. And when I found out they missed, I was like, all right, here's U of H's chance to come back. Ultimate comeback, 41 nothing. Sure, you only have seven minutes, but whatever. And so we go down on the field, and they put in ULA, and there were pretty much backups everywhere. Yeah. And so Dana just basically said, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Didn't try. And there is a, there's a, there's a, a reason to play backups and to get those guys in. And I totally get that. I totally get that. But you at least got to go down and try to kick a field goal. You just got to try to get on the scoreboard. Right. And they didn't. And Dana pretty much said, we're done. We're out. I think after three quarters, if they'd have told him you can just go home, he might've. Yeah. And yeah, they went home. They got back to the UH campus before I left the stadium, which I'm pretty sure is the first time that's ever happened. And it was, um, it's just a really ugly day and when you found out about man jack and caesar missing the game you thought "Uh uh-oh 
here it comes. And sure enough, I don't think this team was motivated at all to be there. I don't think they liked the cold or the wind. Uh, it was supposed well, to rain during the game. It didn't. But I can't even say they opened up a can of quit because it really wasn't an effort to start. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to say that, hey, cold was a factor. But I thought our guys were trying to prove that, hey, cold don't matter when they all come out wearing their... Wearing their uh, don't say it. What? Well, ski mask. Just say ski mask. Ski mask, whatever. The their head wrapped in no shirts. I don't on. even know what you call that, but yeah, they came out in shorts and no shirts. And I don't know why that works, but what running out shirtless? Well, shirtless, but then wearing the mask. Like I don't know. I how don't is know. that? Maybe I mean, it was a Halloween. Maybe it's a Halloween thing. Maybe they were probably they were probably doing it for COVID precautions. Um, that's what I. That's what I'm going to go with. That's what my head cannon will will maintain. But when they when they ran out with their shirts off, I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "You better come out gunning, or you're going to look like fools." And well, it was the lowest passing numbers in nine years, and the lowest numbers for a starting quarterback that I could find in quite a few more years i'll have to double check but and you know the the funny thing is is watching that start um it's just become all too common this year with u of h i mean it seems like every game we crawl into a hole or get shoved into a hole yes whatever whatever you you're not crawling no but i mean you know in the first quarter you're down 21 nothing to rice i mean i guess that was a harbinger of things to come yeah, you know, just constantly, constantly falling behind. What was it, twenty to twenty to ten in at halftime against TCU, and then uh, got up, scored twenty six three to end it. I mean, and, you look back, and that first half was one of your best halves of the year. Well, and then then the last couple of weeks, even even going back with West Virginia, um, the game was close, but it looked a lot worse on the field. Somehow we were able to maintain it close, but the the common denominator denominator in all those. I'm sorry, what? Is, sorry, those are the, these multiple syllable words are really really tough for for me. Yeah, um, I'm but, aware. <laughs> but Donovan in all of those games starts kind of ugly. Yep. You know, the passes just are a little bit off. Throw it off balance. Look, looked off centered the whole time. And he's doing it again this time. And, and as soon as we got behind 21, that's when I that's when I said, okay, now it's time for our comeback. Here we go. Okay, hold on. I pulled the trigger a little too. We got to go down 28 first. Okay. Okay, now it's going to happen. And so the first, the first half just looked terrible. I'm like, well, is he going to show up the second half? And that answer was a resounding no. It just didn't happen. And I guess that's, that's what you, that's what you get. I mean, if you're going to constantly start slow and then expect it to come on later on, um, sometimes it's just not going to be there. Yeah. Um, especially when you're playing a tough team like this on the road. Um, a really good team. Like, well, I was and impressed. I, and I, po- I posted this earlier today stating that we saw the difference between the last two weeks. We saw a difference between a collective, a, a collection of talent and a good team. The collection yeah. of talent is Texas. A good team is Kansas State. Yeah. Because when Texas got up, what was it, 21 nothing? Mm-hmm. When Texas got up, they just put they just pushed the cruise control and leaned back and said, hey, game's over. Kansas State got up. Let's try to fake this kick. <laughs> Kansas State got up 
and they smelled blood in the water and then they attacked and they just kept on and kept on and kept on. They were so good on third down. Like it was great. Now U of H had a lot to do with that. Well, U of H is consistently bad at third down too. Really bad at third down. But, but they were they were very effective in uh, doing what they needed to do. And I I don't think they did anything surprising. I don't think no. they they pulled out any tricks. They just beat you doing what they do. Right. They threw screen passes. They threw sideline to sideline, and they had a quarterback just run up the middle. He empties the backfield, and you know what's coming. Right. And you can't stop it. No. And Shut out for the first time since UT in the year 2000. Oh, year 2000. Glory days. Those were the glory days. We all survived Y2K. I don't know how we did that, but we were, we were a different, we were a different breed back then. Yeah. We were tough. Had to struggle through that Y2K collapse. Just coming out of the dot-com bubble. Man, what Are we really going to do this long on this? Oh, man. I, I loved year 2000. I was on my way to Nashville, Tennessee, lived in Nashville for a year. Of course, every, every, ten, every town in, in the South that has Ville is always Vegas. So I got to go to Nash, Vegas for a year. Okay. Well, back to U of H. Back to the modern not to, time. Not to ruin your day, but U of H in the year 2000, they don't get enough credit for how bad that team was. And I have always maintained this. That was as bad than the the next year where you went 0-11. In 2000, you won the third game of the year, the Army game. You won it by a point. 31-30. Army. Army back then, not Army today. You won the SMU game by two points. And you won the Memphis game by three. You went 3-8, and eight, and your three wins by were by six points. You were close to being 0-22, losing... <laughs> 22 games in a row. You won the last game of 99. You won the first game of 2002 against Rice. Yes. But between that, you were six points from going 0-22. Correct. And if you come back and look at this year in 2023, you're almost as close to being 1-7. Thank you, Sam Houston. Your sacrifice is appreciated. Boy, they just can't win a game. I mean, they are the bad news bears. It's hard to watch. Like, I... I sit down and they'll, I'll see a score and I'll be like, all right, I want to see this. And it's like, oh, shut <laughs> Then the great collapse. Uh-oh. Oh, God. No. But yeah, you're right. I you mean, win UTSA by three, but you needed a miracle spot. U of H wants to complain about the UT spot. The UTSA spot, millimeter. You get that by a millimeter. Mm-hmm. You throw a Hail Mary in the other end zone against West Virginia. As time expires, mm-hmm. and Stefan Johnson comes, his hands are just in the air. The ball is floating, and you're an inch away from not getting that. You're a millimeter and an inch from being one and seven. Yes, a one five in the Big Twelve, and it would be ugly. But honestly, but that's how close it is this year. It's not that close winning and losing. It's that close to being one and seven. Right. Well, and that's the that's that's where everything's one of the margins is that you gotta you've gotta create those little advantages for yourself and you've gotta take advantage of those advantages. Um <clears throat> but the way it's played out, I mean, we could sit here and say, Hey, we're three and five and we came close against U- UT. Yay. 
but we also lost to Rice, and we're lucky, or we're very fortunate to get past UTSA, and we're lucky to get past West Virginia. And that's, but that's how, that's how this team has played all year long. It's mm-hmm. never, it's never looked cohesive, really, other than mm-hmm. Sam Houston and other than little bitty spurts in between, in between. You had a 10 minute spurt in UT where you looked really good. And then you had a spurt in the tech game where you looked really good. Right. But other than that, when have you looked really good? When have you looked really good for a half, a full half? Maybe tech? What else? When? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, we wrote about um, Boy. The, uh, the halftime oh. or the two-quarter droughts that this team has suffered. Um, I like we, that you uh, invented this and you can't remember the words for it. That's good. The Dead quarters the, and dead halves. Dead quarters and dead halves. Well, guess what? We're six of eight on dead halves. That doesn't sound right. Six games out of eight, we've had a dead half. Oh, okay. I guess and that you, doesn't mean a that, lot. That means well, and that doesn't and that doesn't count the four quarters against Kansas State. Whoops. It just it just tells you that our offense is all over the place. There's zero consistency. I don't think that's true. I think the offense is bad. Just going to be honest, I don't think they're very good at all. Right. You've had two scores by the kicking team. You've had what is it? 13 points in overtime. So that's 27 points right there. Yeah. Well, you've only scored 202 points on the year. Mm-hmm. Over 8%, 9% of that is, well, more than that. My math sucks. 13, 15% of that is non offensive points in regulation. Yeah. In regulation. This is an awful offense. Awful. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to overlook because. When we have some good quarters, usually when we're down, when we have some good quarters, it's like, oh, there's our hope. Yes, there's our hope. There's our high-powered offense. And, of course, we get sold a bill of goods if you're watching on TV that, oh, this explosive high-octane offense, it hasn't been that in years. No. Come on. You have to wonder about the people that say things like that. You know, How can you – I mean, do you just not watch any film? I think they watch selective film. They probably get fed, hey, here's the good stuff that each team does. Look at this. Look at this. You have just 107 in the country and running the ball. 107, 116 yards a game. That's higher you're, than I thought. You're right above Iowa. You're looking up at 1-7 Kent State and 1-7 ECU. That's 1-7 Kent State who lost their good OC to Colorado. That's true. I just, you're looking up at one and seven UConn. I mean, <laughs> and you thought you had some talent at running back. I mean, Parker Jenkins, you really didn't think was going to be much. So I don't think anybody well, had any expectations on that. I think, kid. That, I think, I think with Parker Jenkins, you knew he was going to be a good player in the future. One day you didn't expect him to be pushed to in. Well, because, I mean, think about it. Coming into the season, we thought, oh, we've got USC transfer Brandon Campbell coming back for a second year after a decent year last year. You've got Big 12 world star Tony Mathis Jr. coming in from West Virginia, and those guys were a part of it early and kind of got overtaken, and I'm completely fine with that. Mm -hmm. 
I would well, rather I think see. We both agree that Mathis has been a complete bust, and he has, is the best. He is the best running average on the team. But I mean, has has he really been a bust, or is he just what he is? Well, I don't. I don't know what to say to that. I didn't expect anything from him personally. Fair. I know it was talked up that you know, hey, he's got all this Big Twelve experience. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to fill in perfect. He's going to be ideal for us. But I've, I haven't seen it at all. Um, he is, he is what I thought he was. Without Parker Jenkins, you're averaging three point four yards a carry. With Parker Jenkins, it's three eight. Mm-hmm. It's hard to average under four yards a carry. It's hard. There's very few schools that do it. Uh, and here you go. Here you are. You're one of them. Well, it kind of destroys the idea that we want to be a ball control offense. Um, Brought in a guy to run a ball control running program, a run game coordinator, uh, one of the three headed monsters. But see, that's that. I think that's I think that's mischaracterized of what took place at Tulane. Now I know a lot 100%. of hundred percent. A lot of that is Willie Fritz. And people say, oh, they ran they ran the ball a lot, but they're not a ball control offense. They are an explosive running team. Yeah. There's not a lot of that here. I mean, do we really do we really want to be Iowa? I hope not. I mean, I'm I, I, I like I love I love running the ball. I, I want to see us run the ball. But I want to see us run the ball with um cruel intentions with the goal of scoring not the goal of trying to run the clock to keep the terrible defense off the field I mean, the defense is so bad you got to outscore them there's no amount of time no amount of time that you're going to create for them to keep them from giving up points there's no way so you run a you run a 13 minute drive and you score kick a field goal guess what they're going to give up a touchdown in two minutes, and you're going to be down 7-3. But, hey, you controlled the ball for what? It's pointless. And what I saw out of, what I saw out of Tulane last year is that they were getting big chunk gains in the running game. I mean, they were top 20 team in run. But, yeah, I, I just don't think it's that big a deal. And maybe you're sold a bill of goods. Maybe Dana knew exactly what he's getting into. I mean, I don't know. Who was well, the best player you saw this weekend from U of H? <laughs> Who had the best performance? Did anybody have the, I mean, could there well, be? Uh, there that's even, why this is a question because who you got? No one. Fair. <clears throat> I mean, I, there's, there's no, if I'm on that team, I don't think there's anyone who can say, Hey, I had a really good game. I played well. I did my job. This is just bad all over. Maybe you can say AJ Halsey had a good game. 11 tackles, maybe. I mean, great. Congratulations on stopping. I'm just saying. Being on the end of a 15-yard run. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Like, I think Jack Martin's missed field goal puts him in the top five of best players that we saw. He kicked it far. He did. Wasn't overly straight. No. But, you know. I mean, I'm just curious. That that was only our real scoring. I mean, did, did we even break the 20? Back no, in back in the old days, back in the old days in in pee wee football, tie games were determined or were settled by penetrations. Did we get one by what penetrations? It's yes, it's evolved. Well, you can you can huh? Yes, okay. you could you could win by penetrations, and we'll leave it at that. Did, but did we even did we even do that? 
No. The only time you got inside, I want to say the 30, maybe the 30, I don't know. The only time you were inside the 35-yard line was when they fumbled it to you. Right. And then didn't we take a nine-yard sack to, immediately after that? You took a sack. You had a, a a pass, I think, that lost a yard. It was not great. So basically, we never got on offense. We never got close enough to the end zone to actually be able to read what was written in the end zone. No. So besides that time, the closest you got was the 44-yard line. Wow. Besides the time they fumbled it to you at the 26. Yeah. How many games have you seen where U of H was completely and totally dominated like this? One of the one of the few that I can remember, maybe UTSA, at, 2014. Hmm. They just, I mean, it was complete domination until you put in Bosch in the last or Kosh in the last minute. Yeah. Um, what about? I guess when we were completely outclassed was at Michigan. Yeah, 2003. I saw that in person. You yeah. were there. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I, I remember that. Okay. It was way too early to be uh, to be bombed. It wasn't 11 a.m. Yeah. Uh, but at least we had the first drive of the game of that, and we knew we were going to get destroyed. I'm trying to think like 30 point plus. You know what? UCLA in 2012. Charles well, Sims did not make that trip, and I think it was 36-6 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot in that I period. I thought you were going to say the UCLA game when they played here. In 2011? At, no. At, at, no, the one at Robertson. No, that was a competitive sort no, no, of game. No, 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 not, no, 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 not 2011 is when. Um, You're talking about 1998. When Cade McNown came That's in. 1998. That was, U of H played okay that game. I mean, that was a sliding scale. But in the first four games, U of H scored 24 points. I don't know why I remember this. They scored 24 points against UCLA. And then the other three games combined, they scored 24 points. <laughs> um, Cal, Minnesota, and Tennessee were the, I mean, that was your first four games. Was You went to Cal, Minnesota at home. Mm-hmm. Um, that came after uh, some storm. I don't remember, but it was a tropical storm. It was on a Friday. I was the only person on campus. And then Saturday, you lost 14 to 7. And then UCLA with the sprinkler heads. And then you went to Tennessee in week four. Um, yeah, scored 24 points in the first three games besides UCLA, where you also scored 24. Tennessee, you got completely dominated. But, I mean, Tennessee was the national champion. You know, you, you go to certain places, you expect Michigan is that kind of program. Kansas yeah. State is a very good program, but I did not think there was that big a gulf between them. Now, I have a theory about three games in a row, emotional games, you're, if you play two emotional games in a row, you're going to get your ass whooped in the third. Mm-hmm. That's what happened last year. That's what happened this year. U of H has been very good to me in keeping that theory alive. Uh, not yes. good to me as I want them to win, but good to me as in you make me look smarter. Um, they came back and made the Kansas game close, but they got their doors blown off last year after going up 14 nothing. Right. They got but at least they started with the life. They did, and that was shocking. I asked Dana today in the press conference, what can you do to start faster? And he reiterated what he said to me after the game was that 
you know, we we talked about it all week. We talked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday. And when he said that, I was like, well, why didn't you talk Friday? I mean, you could have talked Friday. <laughs> and he said, today, I asked him, and he was like, oh, we're just going to talk to them. And last year, when you st- had the slow starts, we asked him, and he's like, oh, we're just going to talk to them. And it's just like, well, you know, you keep wanting to talk to them, but it ain't working. Maybe try something else. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is that I think I think that type of mentality doesn't get turned on and off week to week. That's 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 built in the off season. I think all it's of who that, you are. Yeah, I think it, I think that starts that starts the beginning of of spring camp or workouts. Winter workouts. Yeah. So I mean, but but if you have to if you have to try to talk your team up. And get into playing to, a game you get 12 a year yeah that's what i've never understood hey we weren't we just weren't up enough um you know that that's so frustrating it's um because you really have i mean you've got 12 times where you get to go out and celebrate all the work that you've done for the last year for your and for your entire life i mean you live and you, you get to go your, beat somebody you get to go fucking win yeah well you get to go if nothing else you get to go fight somebody else yeah you, you all all the all the cuffs are handcuffed you're gonna get me off. pissed off now <clears throat> i just don't and i'm blaming you know, i understand understand the mental drain that maybe your focus is not dialed in 100 but right that's fine i understand that that happens putting to out, everybody putting out in every effort. part of life yeah putting out effort is a completely different story if we're talking about lack of effort or coming out flat, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how you can start a game flat. If I if I could have learned how to start a game flat, I might have had a little bit better than shitty career at U of H. You know, I think we've started more podcasts good than we have bad. I think we start better than they do, and maybe we should start matching them. Our start like like in the after show. We start terrible every week. Like, it's a disaster every time I turn that damn camera on. <laughs> it really is. Oh, and I, I understand I it. I, I own it. Yeah, thanks. I own it. It's me. It's not Starnes. It's not anybody else. It's me. I own that. But you're proving the point. But I'm trying. But you're proving the I point. I just suck. It's lack yeah. of preparation. It's lack of focus. It's really it's not lack, lack of, of attention to detail. It's lack of, well, it's also the internet in a stadium. Well, when we do it at home, they're great. I've only had one at home uh, tech, but we'll get, we'll go to Baylor this week. Um, I think Starnes and I are doing the show at a Shoney's. Oh, please do. <laughs> that right? would be awesome. Right. I love that crispy bacon. Mm. Shoney's was always the go-to place on road trips. When exactly. I playing, when I was playing in uh, Tennessee or not Tennessee, in Indiana. Anywhere. Well, no. When I, when I was place. when I was when I was in my independent minor league phase in Indiana, Shoney's was always the place where we get them to stop because usually it was late, late night after a game, and we've got to go from Indiana to to Western Pennsylvania, so we had a long ass road trip. Um, so we'd stop there. Are we really doing this right now? By the way, just checking. yeah. Okay. So we would st- so we would stop there, and they would serve us beer at like four in the morning. Shoney's? Yeah, they just put them in put them in cups. I didn't know they had beer. Me either. That was that's why there's always a dying love for Shoney's. 
because they were the only place like that that ha- that had beer. I, I I honest to God did not know that. Me either. Me either. But maybe it's maybe it's an Indiana, Ohio. It might be. Thing. It was not in the Shoney's in Jennings, Louisiana, right there on I ten, nor <laughs> in Alexandria, Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> my Baptist grandfather was not having beer. True. At Shoney's in Alexandria or in West Monroe True. or wherever. Uh, the Oiler uniforms, they got they got blowed up today. Any thoughts? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Okay, good talk. That's kind of my thought. Okay, well, you didn't really do anything to, to make any money off of it. So, all right. I mean, everybody else has done it. Yeah, but nobody. But, nobody pretty much you know who copied did it? the uniform. And they, well, didn't, no, they, the did, they, didn't, they didn't double down with it by saying, hey, let's call this Love You Cougs Day. The Rockets did it a couple of years ago, and they the looked Rockets, exactly Rockets like the old. Probably had explicit permission from the league, maybe, but they should just say Tillman. Tillman got it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have any thoughts on this. I thought I thought it was funny. It's, if nothing else, you can bring it, bring it, bring that back up, and you know we can look at. You could just add it to our persecution complex that everybody hates us. Referees hate us. Houston Chronicle hates us. Dale Robertson hates us. Oh, Dale. I miss him. I don't think I ever talked to him. I don't think I ever had any. Now the NFL hates us. Yeah. Well, keeping us scoring hates us. Who? Scoring. Yes. Scoreboards hate us. Hate us. Yeah. There was a time when scoreboards hate us because we would short circuit them. Now they just, you know, now they're just frozen. Yeah. We don't have to worry about putting up too many zeros on the board. On the scoreboard, there's only one for us. Yeah. You want to talk U of H basketball? Kelvin Sampson? What's Ethan coming up? I had the chance, and by the time this comes out, you'll have seen some of it, I think, but maybe not. But I had the chance to go and talk with Kelvin Sampson 101. We met in his office Monday. Um, I asked for 15 minutes. I came prepared with 18 questions, thinking... <laughs> Thinking that I could get through 18 questions in 15 minutes. But you, you never want to have too few, right? Right. Absolutely. If you get 15 minutes, you don't want to use 13. You want to use them all. If you can. Little did I know that Kelvin's first answer would take 20 minutes. So we were off and running. He took 20 minutes on his first. It was a great answer. It was a great conversation. It's a great topic. I frankly was amazing. I said 11 words in about an hour and a half. I was great. Yes, the last Kelvin did what Kelvin does, and he's just fascinating. You said this to me earlier, and I, I'm going to run with it. I'm going to steal it. It's mine now. He's like Forrest Gump. He has had more interactions with more famous people in crazy situations than anyone I've ever heard of. He's just everywhere. His first job out of, high, out of college, maybe an internship, was working for Tubby Smith in high school. Tubby was a high school coach. He talked about his dad took him to a, a, a college game. He was, I think, just out of college or right in that area. And he went to see Notre Dame play this team. And this other team had a six foot nine point guard. And Kelvin was like, wow, he's really good. He, it's Magic Johnson. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess so. Yeah. Sure. He went to a high school game in the late 60s. And said it was the first white player he'd ever seen play. And he was like, he was passing here. He was doing this. He was throwing it there. He was shooting it. And Kelvin was sitting in his chair at his desk. 
And when he explained this, he stood up and started motioning like he's passing, like he's shooting. And I was like, uh-oh, got to change the camera. He was talking about Pistol Pete Maravich. He saw Pistol Pete in high school. Pistol Pete's dad was at uh, North Carolina State, I believe. He had been at App State and NC State, and then went to, he was fired, I believe, and then went to LSU. And that's when Pistol uh, followed him. Right. But Kelvin just has the most amazing stories. And we talked about everything, about his childhood, about his dad, um, about his first jobs. I asked him, how has he improved since last season ended? How has he personally improved? And he, he got personal. He told me things that he has not talked about in public. And we're going to share that later in the week. It's going to be a little bit of a drip, drip, drip kind of thing. Um, his backstory is so phenomenal. And everything, every time I find out more, I'm more fascinated. I'm more interested to see what is coming next. Because you never know. Because he has lived like eight lives in 67 years. Mm-hmm. So I think on the on the Forrest Gump area, the funny, the coolest thing I think is that he didn't. He's not running into these people as their big time stars at their peak. He's running into them and having interactions with them way before they became what they are. Yeah, or what they were, which I think is the most fascinating thing. You know, it's it's like you know when when you're watching a lot of high school stuff or, or even early college, it's like, Oh, I remember that guy from, uh, from, you know, whatever, or like, um, Chris young, who's now the general manager for the Texas Rangers. Like I remember him pitching for Princeton. It just seems like yesterday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 1990. Or is that year 2000? It was the year 2000. God, that year comes back. 99, back. 98, 99. Well, it was the year 2000 when they came here. And JP hit that home run off of him. I think. I think it was the year two thousand. See, I told but you. No, he was legit. So let's listen to a little bit of Kelvin. Uh, just a little preview of what we have coming for you later in the week. When I was a freshman in college, um, I had somehow convinced myself that I was not going to be a coach because I didn't want to coach in high school. I didn't know how or where or why. But it was my junior year, and my mother, who was the um, director of health services at the university, she was an RN, she called me in and she said, had you ever thought about uh, maybe one day teaching in high school, or if you wind up coaching in college one day? She was thinking that the highest I could ever get would be at a small college, which would have been a dream back then that you're going to have to, you may, you may want to get a teaching certificate. Um, and I wasn't going to do it, but uh, I trusted my mother. She said, I think about it and I figured I'd better think about it. So I started getting my, um, I, I enrolled in some classes and that next uh, fall, I did my student teaching in Rayford, North Carolina. And the basketball coach at the high school there was a guy by the name of Tubby Smith. That was in 1977. 77-78 was my senior year, so I graduated in 78. But that was the fall of 77. So I started coaching this little sixth grade girls team 
And I had this girl named Sheila Reagan, R-E-G-A-N. She was by far the best player. I have no idea. I think we just picked and she had, I didn't know who they were. Anyway, she wound up on my team. And so we did that for like six Saturdays. And then we had a playoffs, then we had a tournament, then we had a champion. Well, guess whose team won a championship? I say my team, but I really say Sheila Reagan's team. I've had the best player and won the championship. And for some reason that just, the competitiveness and winning the game and then coaching those girls and bringing them in early, getting, bringing them candy and cookies and apples and oranges and sitting down and them looking at me when I was talking I, and, and thinking about all those days I went to practice with my dad. And I, then, the, then I realized I'm a big coach. That's what I'm supposed to be. So this was my first long form one-on-one with Kelvin. And I, I don't think he does these. I've seen him do 20 minute, 30 minute videos, but I've never seen him do as much as he did with me. And we're going to use most of it, uh, especially the parts where he said that was a good question. We're going to probably just play that over and over <laughs> and repeats my name. Um, but he's been very helpful. And he talked in ways that I've never heard him talk about what he wants to do between now and the end of his career. And we talked about some moments that have been challenging for him. And we'll we'll get to that later this week. But I'm going to tell you, this is worth the watch. This is worth reading. We, You may not love everything we do. You may love it all. I hope you do. But this is good. And we have a ton of basketball to get to before the season starts. We'll talk to players on Wednesday, Kelvin on Thursday via Zoom. And then you get a game Monday against ULM. And it feels weird that it's Halloween and stuff is happening. And... You're into the the basketball season already. This week you go to Baylor for football. And that preview was brought to you by Gus Injury Lawyers. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS. So I talked to Kelvin for over an hour, almost 90 minutes. And we did not talk about the present team one time. I wanted to talk about different things. I wanted to get him to open up about things in his past and, and things that have happened. And he was great. We'll have so many opportunities to talk about this season with him twice or three times a week for the next five months. Right. But I well, knew we, I had this one opportunity. Absolutely. Just me and, and him. And I wanted to go off and do my own thing and and just... Things that I'm curious about. Yeah. Like I had a 47-hour day on Sunday of getting back from Manhattan. It was so miserable up there, and it was miserable and wet and gross in Dallas when we got there, and flight delays, and it was just a long day. And my flight wasn't until 4 o'clock in Manhattan. Like They have a lot of other things going on. And so I had a lot of time to think about this and to plan for it. And you know, I started writing down questions about this year, and I was like, wait, I don't want to do that. Let's go and do the different things. And we did, and he was great. And, I mean, I had a lot of questions, and we didn't get the over half of them. And we still talked for damn near an hour and a half. But now, moving into this season, or do you have something? No, I was going to say, he, he's just got, he's got a fascinating story. Um, if nothing else, just looking at his 
just looking at his career and looking at his resume of of where he's where he's started from and how he's worked up, but then he's also got that he's also got that one big I guess blip yeah. climbing that ladder of him being humbled severely. I mean, he's not even allowed to coach, essentially banned from college basketball, and how he's rebounded from that, but how he also used that time to make himself even better. And the fact that he can come in and he does this every single day, year after year after year after year, and it doesn't change. And then the success follows that. And it just keeps growing and it keeps moving up a level and it keeps moving up a level. I mean, you can see the clear progression year by year by year by year. The results at the end of the year, I mean, the the because the the season is determined by the tournament where almost yeah. anything can happen. So it's never going to be a linear progression through the tournament, but during the regular season of how it just builds and builds and builds right when you think that, Oh man, we got to start all over again. It's like a brand new challenge for him. And so you lose massive pieces. It's it's like he does a, a puzzle and he starts over on a new puzzle and it's, it's a big one, you know? And so you've just got to, like you said, pieces. When I walked in to his office, he was huddled with Kellen. I think I can tell this. This isn't that big a deal. And they were going over what are going to be the off days in December and January and February. Trying to piece them together between games and and trips. You can't do an off day like when you're flying out. And he's involved in such granular things. Like he's not a CEO, you know, who's delegating everything and it just gets and he claps on the sideline. Right. That's not him. He's no. involved in everything. He talked about, he told me he was, you know, working on the schedule for two years from now. And he's like, the, I'm the only one that touches the schedule. That's why we're always top five in the net. It's because I do the schedule. I know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, right. you're right. You you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you know, I want to talk back. I want to say, well, but but there's nothing to say. But I think, it, I think it's, a, I think it's, as far as pointing out, of them looking to December to to plan the off days and the rest days. I think well, that, there are no rest days. Well, there are off days, quote unquote off day. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that that speaks to the level of focus and attention to detail that he has that he does every single day. Mm-hmm. And that's why this program is what it is. Is that that laser focus on the very small details that today sitting here, it doesn't seem that big of a deal. Correct. But when you're in the grind in January and December of going through the preseason tournaments, getting into, getting into conference play, you have to have that stuff done and it has to be done correctly. And the fact that he's involved in it and not just, you know, pushing that off tells you how important it is. Mm-hmm. But it's every single minute detail that goes into this program that does not get overlooked. And I think that's that's the most fascinating thing about him, and not just him, just high-level performers of the details that they pay attention to and that they're able to focus on that set them apart from everybody else. We were talking, and somebody's a player's a former player's parent not even a current player a former player's parent came up and he told me where that parent went to high school (laughs) yeah like what who and his his memory he would say somebody's name from his past 
and he would spell out the name like it was almost like a device that he was right. using and I, I just i'm blown away and i'm not supposed to be i'm supposed to be like just interrupt cut in go to the next subject but i want a guy that's going to talk mm-hmm. and that's what he did and man it was it was a highlight moment for me doing this because i got him in a I, I caught him in a good mood, number one. Right. He he has no losses. He has nothing to, to worry about. Um, he was worried about JoJo and uh, Javier and some screens they had missed and some pick and rolls they had missed right. in an exhibition game. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's not on the record. That was his worry today. So mm-hmm. good mood and expansive. He was great. And I can't wait to share it all. It would be great in a big one piece, but I think it's it's better to break it up into the subjects, and I think that's what we're going to do. So what do we got coming up this week? We've got at Baylor, huh? All Baylor, all the time, all week, just Baylor, nothing else, except 90% of what we do is going to be basketball. <laughs> uh, we have a another one of our we, – we, I'm going to take credit for something I did not have anything to do with. Okay. We did two articles with – Part uh, Dalton Carnes this week, um, video and then interview and then story and and Dalton got a scholarship this week. So congratulations, we have gotten one guy a scholarship. Yeah, <laughs> and we're gonna do another one of those this week. I think. Um, you know, they're always kind of hairy. You don't know how it's gonna work out. Right. Uh, somebody's schedule could get messed up, but that's our goal. We have another, besides the Calvin stuff, we have more in-depth basketball coverage. Um, I think we had a great year covering basketball last year. It's going to be better this year. We are going wild. And I'm going to have a blast. I'm going to have so much fun because it's fun to talk about a good team. It's fun to write about a good team. It's not fun to write about 41 nothing. No. When Rice did the salute to zero, in 2002. <laughs> and you fast forward 23 years and they beat you. They had you down 28 nothing, And now there's another zero. We don't have them next year, right? They're not on the schedule right now. Okay. But who knows how that works out. Good. They can't do another salute to zero. Just a different kind of zero. Uh, Duarte asked Dana today about next year's. Right. Dana said he doesn't know anything about it. He has not been consulted, talked to, doesn't know if it's permanent rivals, if it's divisions, and that's not his level, that's the AD. Yeah. Well, but, I think it's also going to be more of a conference thing. Well, the the ADs work together to figure that out. They right. vote on it. It's not the conference demanding it. It's the ADs agree to it. Right. At bigger decisions, it's presidents. But the fact that he doesn't really know, like other things he'll tell us, oh, yeah, I've seen that schedule. I know what's, co-. you know, not this time. No. So I think well, there's a lot of uncertainty about what next year looks like. Well, I think, and also within within the Big 12, I think it's a also a conference influence on your out-of-conference schedule as well. At least I hope that's the case, because you have to position your conference. You can't just have, you know, 12 or 14 teams, however many, how many the heck we're going to have. You can't have them all just going out there and just throwing a bunch of stuff up against the wall and, and trying formula. to formula. Huh? You have a formula. You have one P five. Yeah. One. Yes. And one G five is the formula. U of H did not have an FCS. They don't have one. 
in 2024 right. currently, but you did not play uh, a P5 out of conference this year. You willed next year. OU. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. At least, um, at least OU got their comeuppance this weekend. What the hell is going on in Kansas, man? They both hired a really good coach, <laughs> a coach that knows how to win and put together a program. Yeah. Kansas carried the goalposts into a lake. As they should. If U of H wins a game like that, you and I are going to go dig a lake so that they can throw the goalposts in. Go with throwing it in the fountains, man. That's an idea. You got to go put Long it in the walk, fountain. but yeah. I spent, I spent a lot. Hey, you, you got to. You spent a lot of time in the fountains? I, I fell into the fountains a number of times. How do you fall? Never mind. Well, nope, you know. Not, nope, not ask, nope, not doing it. Nope. Nope. On campus shenanigans, nope. and when there's a uh, when there's a bar on campus, weird things happen when the sun goes weird down. Weird things happen. You could have put in some uh, dishwashing liquid in there and made a foam party. Yeah, that 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 really wasn't a thing in my day. Mm. Would have been cool though. It'd have been it'd been cool to come up with that, but you know, I'm not known for my no forward thinking. Mm-mm. Thanks for coming and tuning in and listening that was fun but not really go kooks all week youtube facebook twitter our website we're going to baylor we're going to waco uh i'm making the road trip with starns first time because he's gonna sing is he gonna sing all of his blind melon songs for you he's the reincarnation of shannon hoon please cut this out please don't (laughs) include this that's going in i don't know i don't know what shoney's allows in waco if nothing else, it'll be interesting to kind of see their game day. Game day, the stadium. I've never been. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I think it's stadium number 70. I mean, it's a, it should be on paper a winnable game. But games aren't played on paper. They're played in TV sets. They're played on the internet this week. True. On the World Wide Web. In the tubes. And it's harder to change a channel when it's on there. You can't just flip back to something else. Correct. That's why I watch what it. Are on the, the people that are in Waco, the Chip and Joanna, who are, what are they on? Some flipping show? Uh, I don't even know. I don't either. We're going to go find them. Maybe they'll go to Shoney's with us. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Theme song. Renew. Take it away. Yahoo! I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. As you know, a great quarterback wins championships. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, you can trust Gus to quarterback your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. Principal Office, Houston, Texas.